building a fashion brand is very different. Like you have to be in it for the long haul. You have to have the resources internally. And I don't mean just financial. You have to be able to weather the ups and the downs and the highs are very high and the lows are very low. And if you don't have the capacity as a person, or if you're a very busy person and you have a family and stuff like that, that kind of you have to prioritize young kids or like be it a male or a female, or if you have other businesses on the side, like you have to be able to give it your all and then some. And that's not even taking into account the finance. Hello and welcome back to the Kelly Loomber podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand and style expert who, you guessed it, is on a personal mission to inspire at least five people daily to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Are you one of my five a day? Has this podcast inspired you to do something? I'd really love to know. Please drop a review on Apple Podcasts or let me know on Instagram, Kelly Loomberg Official. I'd love to know exactly what it is because you could inspire someone else too. And thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. Today's guest is Mo, who's been a personal brand client of mine and is a successful business consultant, speaker, trainer and mentor for the fashion, retail, lifestyle, culture and art sector. With experience of helping more than 400 businesses, government entities, incubators and design councils, with universities as well included in that portfolio of clients over her 20-year career. She's just so passionate about helping people reach their potential as a creative, but also as a successful business owner. And you'll hear in this episode that she's so real, very friendly and full of knowledge. Here is the full episode with Mo. Hi Mo, welcome to the show. It's great to have you in this capacity. We've spoken so many times from mentoring. I've been on your podcast and I'm so happy to have you on mine. Thank you so much, Kelly. Lovely to be here. Looking forward to the chat. Yeah, and we've got lots lots of chatting to do. So we've known each other, what is it, two or three years now, I would say? I guess so, yeah. yeah. Our, our paths initially sort of crossed because of the sort of the fashion and the, the, yeah. the retail side and, and that aspect. And then laterally, we've been working together on your personal brand which is looking yes, amazing. which I am very grateful for. You just launched your, your own personal branded website and it looks amazing. Yes, do you want to share it? Yes, so it's moramomorris.com. So it's M-A-I-R-E, Mo, M-O, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S.com. Or you'll get it on moramorris.com as well. Yeah, so Mo is actually your nickname and that's what most people yes. know you as, but you do yeah. go under and your school. Full name. Nobody can pronounce my name here. It's Mayor or Moira or this or that. And I'm just like, just call me Mo because that's what everybody calls me anyway. Yeah. So you'll have to go and have a little uh, a little check out of that. So why don't you give everyone a little bit of a backstory that those that are listening as to, you know, what, what kind of got you here, what got you to Dubai, and then we can kick off the show from there. So what got me to Dubai was I have, I'm actually a fashion designer by trade and I went into product development, fashion buying, building brands, all of that. And I was working for a brand in the GCC and we were launching it at Paris Fashion Week and all of that. Then I decided 
I really like this. And I was like, I want to set up my own consultancy. I was working privately as a consultant for that brand. And I was like, I really want to do this, but I want to kind of help more independents as well and people with different budgets and, you know, things like that. And I had kind of three rules, Kelly, when I started, which was Morris Fashion Consultancy and has more recently changed to Morris Global Consulting because we've scaled up a little bit on services. I'll tell you more about that later. But I really had, because of the industry and the amount of travel that's involved in it naturally, pre-COVID, obviously, like traveling to factories, traveling to trade shows, traveling to fashion weeks, traveling to here, there and everywhere. There was like a couple of things and I had them written on the back of every diary that I have had since then, since I started this company. And it was, what do brands need or independence that isn't out there already? How can I operate the day-to-day from wherever I am? Because like that, I could be at a trade show and I might have to do my day's work after that then, you know? And the third one was, how can I balance my love for business with my love for design so that I'm like personally fulfilled in my own work. Yeah. So they were my questions. Really? Yeah. They were my three kind of mantras from when I started this business. I was like, there is no point in doing something. I've always been a person who has never done. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to make money. I want to succeed. I want to do all of those things. And we do. But it has never been my driver. My driver has always really been my passion for what I do and my passion for kind of helping people and guiding them in the right direction and making sure I'm educated enough that I can do that with proper knowledge. So, you know, going to trade shows and visiting the factories and making sure that I'm, you know, representing, I suppose, my company properly is really important to me. And now that goes through the team as well, you know, so that we have, I have very high standards of what I do and what I expect of others and maybe too high sometimes. But I think that that has kind of been a blessing, you know, to me because I'm not a perfectionist. You have to be, you know, you have to be agile in business and all of that. But for me, I kind of, yes, I started out as a creative But I opened my first business when I was 20 in my hometown and small town. I was making stuff for weddings, stuff for special occasions. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And, you know, it was I didn't make any money. I was working 18 hours a day, (laughs) all the classic mistakes. And I so I basically started from nothing, from zero. I had I took out a 5000 euro loan like for travel or something like this I love um, that. I was 20 and I was just like I can do this and I did all the classic mistakes but there was no help there was no nobody took fashion seriously mm. nobody took and it's in like multi-billion dollar industry and I mean 20 years later I'm 40 in September 20 years later of my journey and I'm looking back and I I kind of feel like I'm only getting started as well in a way which is weird even though I've 20 years of it done you know so so the, the sort of, there's quite a few hats that you wear and I know this because we've worked together yeah. on the sort of the mentoring perspective from yeah. your personal brand 
So a key aspect of your business is working with designers and elevating, you know, their profile and helping them through that journey. Is that correct? Yeah. So really the consultancy started as somewhere where independent brands could get a 360 service. So what we ultimately did at MFC was we started with education and then consulting if they have the funds for it and then they can kind of grow with us. So they learn how to set up a fashion brand. We help them with the sourcing, the global production, the design, the tech packing, all of that side of it. But we also do the business management, pitching for investors, their marketing strategies, their sales strategies, their websites. Their... So we basically do all services for fashion, retail, culture, and the arts. So we now do a lot of immersive experience work loads of sustainability work, even with banks, with city councils, like it's not all fashion and retail because those elements have become lifestyle, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you know, consumer behavior has changed and it's not just one thing or another, like hotels are bringing retail and fashion into them now. They're bringing wellness into them. You yeah. know, everything is related now. So we do an awful lot of that type of work and I do a lot of speaking and moderating on those type of topics. The business of fashion is really where we, where our USP is. So because creative people, they're always thinking of the product, how can I make this better? And then suddenly they have this wonderful product and know where to sell it or don't know how to sell it properly or relying solely on Instagram or whatever the case may be. So we help them with a 360. The only service, I always say, the only thing we don't do is PR because that is its own machine. And oh, there are sure. amazing, yeah. amazing PR agencies, but we have lovely partnerships with plenty of them. So, yeah, so the idea really was, I was like, okay, I was that soldier. I was that person 20 years ago that wanted help, that couldn't get help, mm. didn't have the budget for it. Everybody was like, you're crazy. Why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? You know, whatever. Like I worked my way up from working in my own business to having businesses on the side to having all sorts of things whilst working in retail, whilst working in wholesale, whilst working in buying. And I did loads of courses on innovation and entrepreneurship and all of that along the way as well. And for me, I think what my first business really taught me was one, obviously the harsh realities of running a business, but two, that I actually loved the business aspect as much as the creative. Mm. So when I started the consultancy, I was like, I want to be fulfilled in my work whilst helping others. And I felt that what was missing in the market was somewhere somebody could go and didn't have to pay five retainers, one to a branding agency, one to marketing, one to somebody to help with sourcing and design and they all fighting over the brand positioning or whatever it is. So now we do a lot of like startups. We take them from literally sheets of paper with drawings on them right through to being a proper brand, global expansions. So we kind of say startup, scale up or expand globally. That's kind of our thing. And then like say with culture and the arts and those kind of things, they would be very different projects. So it could be curating, curating kind of exhibitions or immersive experiences that are kind of engaging to consumers in retail, or it could be airport retail or anything like that, placing brands in with retailers, you know, this kind of thing. And you're doing a lot of work with Saudi at the moment. That's right, isn't it? 
Yeah, so we work with Europe and the GCC, basically. So we do UAE, Saudi, Qatar, Bahrain, obviously Ireland, UK, Switzerland, uh, then Italy, France, you know, everywhere, really. But for me, it's kind of really important. Like, we're, we're still a small, I don't even think we'd be a medium-sized company now. I don't know what, what it would be, but... We have definitely grown over the past couple of years. Obviously, the two years during COVID was extremely difficult. Mm. But I have managed to keep the show on the road somehow. And we are really busy again now, which is like just amazing. And I'm really thankful for it because obviously this is a very fickle industry. It's one of the first things that people cut. You know, who's going, nobody's going to, during a recession, nobody's going to start a new fashion brand. You know what I mean? Well, so well, they start something maybe practical, like business-wise, but they, they're they not inclined to go towards that kind of sector. So, you know, there was like tough times as well, and, and not just COVID, plenty of times since the start of the business as well. But I don't know. I mean, you. I think if you love what you do, there's just something in you that just is like no way, you know, some days you've bad days, some days you've good days, you know, some days you want to give up, but there's just something in you that is like, no, I can do more. And I want to do more, you know? I was just sort of smiling at that. No one starts a, a label during COVID unless you're the giving movement to me. They, they yeah, lost yeah, so yeah, much yeah. during COVID, didn't they? Yeah. Well, um, it depends on your, it depends on your backers, et cetera, and all of the rest. But amazing. yeah, in fairness, they did fantastic. And, Plenty of brands did start during that time, but trying to get into the market like is a more then you have to be very realistic about what you're doing. The giving movement were very clever because it was literally people wanted to support independent brands. They wanted and they did sportswear, loungewear. Everybody was yeah. at home chilling out in their gear. All they could do was go for a walk. Yeah. So they were very smart with how they did it, you know. And and obviously they had the sustainability angle, which everybody was supporting as well. So yeah. like there and to be fair, there were plenty of brands that started during that time, but it wasn't an easy like everyone needed help, but they didn't have the money coming in to get that help. If yeah. that makes sense. Existing brands and stuff like that. But we did a lot of work, governmental work during that time with uh, the Irish government and enterprise offices and incubators to like help their members to because there was a lot of grant aid in other sect- yeah. in other countries in the world and that really did help i think brands fashion retail like we did so many things like you know even workshops on how to run a business during a recession like so much education kind of stuff which is really important to me as well my dad was also a teacher so i think that might have come from there <laughs> <laughs> I always get a little bit alarmed when uh, someone comes to me and says, I want to be a fashion designer. And yeah. and I I get scared. And I get scared yeah. from the perspective of going, unless you've got so much money behind you, do you know how hard it is? Now, now yeah. for sure, like follow your dreams. I totally get that. But when people, yeah. especially young, young, young women, yeah. uh, mostly young girls will come to me and be like, I want to be a fashion designer. I'm like, whoa, okay. I yeah. feel like I don't know if it's because I've been in the industry of, yeah. of fashion. Do for you have a million dollars? <laughs> so, so, then, okay. Yeah. How much did you say? I said, do you have a million dollars? Uh, then, okay. 
Yeah, because that's the thing. I just feel that as yeah. much as, yeah, you can go and get things made. And I had actually had a yeah. conversation with someone the other day about it. And um, she's like, oh, yeah, but someone's wearing my design that I created and I made it in Satwa. And I'm like, you must hear this all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, amazing. Yeah. But totally. Like, I mean, I have had people come in, genuinely people come in. And you know me, I'm quite lighthearted as well. And somebody came in to, I hold clinics from time to time so that people can get some free advice and stuff like that, you know. For me, it's really important that like, that's why we do the masterclass online, the how to build a fashion brand, because by the end of those six modules, you either know whether you're, you can do it or whether you need to go and get investment and then come back to the drawing board or whatever, if you're serious about it, or if it's just going to be an expensive hobby, which to be honest, it is for a lot of people. And like, I always, I'm very straightforward with people. It's really important to me. I'm like, I feel like sometimes I'd be like, I'd be saying to the team, I'm like, do I kind of scare people away from following their dreams? Because I'm very much for, yeah, yeah, I'm very much for people like following their dreams. Like I did it from nothing, you know, and I built a global business from nothing, you know, and, but it's building a fashion brand is very different. Like you have to be in it for the long haul. You have to have the resources internally. And I don't mean just financial. You have to be able to weather the ups and the downs and the highs are very high and the lows are very low. And if you don't have the capacity as a person, or if you're a very busy person and you have a family and stuff like that, that kind of you have to prioritize young kids or like be it a male or a female, or if you have other businesses on the side, like you have to be able to give it your all and then some. And that's not even taking into account the finance. You know, you have to be able to, I always say like you have to have the tenacity. And if you if you are wavering any little bit at the start, do it as a hobby and keep it like that. Because you're never going to make a business making clothes in Satwa, selling one, selling two, selling three pieces, getting 10 pieces made. Like, you know, it, it's it's not viable as a business model. Mm. You can do it. You can do it as a market brand. You can do a small little, like make a few quid on the side, that type of thing. But you do have to be realistic. You know, people, like I said, I was like, somebody came to me one time and they said, can you make in one of these clinics? And the first thing that she said was, can you make me famous? Oh, and I burst out laughing because I genuinely thought she was joking. And I was like, oh, this person is not joking. And I said, well, let's first have a look and see if you have some designs that kind of set you apart. I said, I wouldn't worry about the fame for quite some time. And I like, that is not what you want to hear as a consultant to this. I'm like, uh uh-uh, this is going nowhere. I mean, that's not why you should do that. You know, you don't build businesses out of love for fame. You know, I just, and like for me, fashion, retail, entrepreneurship in general, like I have other businesses that are not related to this as well, as you know, like, you do things either as an investment or out of love. And I always say that 
when, you know, when my friends or my family are like, oh, you really have to take it easy. You're getting ill or whatever, you know, during the tough times, like it's passion and it's love for what you do that keeps you going during those times. Mm -hmm. And like, because I genuinely also think we're all half mad, you know, if you work for yourself, like we must be mad. There are much easier (laughs) ways to go to work from nine to five or whatever it is, earn a great salary, like use your skill set for someone else and you don't care. Really, you go home, you do your thing. And then the following day you go in. There's so much more, like there's so many easier ways to make money, but then you're not fulfilled if you have that in you, that drive Mm. in you. There's like entrepreneurs are a different species. True entrepreneurs are a different species to people who are happy working for somebody else, I believe. That's just my opinion. Um, But I do think there is an element of madness to it too. So madness complete and utter dedication and passion what else do you think that someone needs if they want to go and not just start a fashion brand but you know if they're going to go out and start a business what else what other skills do you think they need to have I think they need to be aware of the market I think they need to be constantly on the ball with market research what's next in the industry I mean particularly in fashion it's go it's at the moment it's like rolling at the speed of whatever not it's gone crazy with digital and with this and with that it's very hard for people to keep up but you have to do what's right for you if it's another business it's the same principle business is business you have to make money and make margin in order to grow and scale that business yeah it's the same if it's a food business if it's a salon if it's a fashion business if it's a you know, restaurant, whatever it is, you have to, you have your margins and that's what grows your business. If you're not making a profit margin, you have no business model that's, you know, that's scalable. So maybe some businesses can only grow to a certain scale and maybe that's okay. Like no, not everybody has to be a global brand or a big brand or a big business. Some people are very content with having a smaller business and just a regular income. Nothing wrong with that at all. Mm. Uh, but if you do want to go the full hog, you have to be pricing your products properly. You have to have your wholesale margins, your retail margins, your, you know, because that's what builds your business. And, 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 you know, that's what built my business. And maybe that's why it, I have been 20 years doing it because I didn't start out. I've got taken no investment mm. over the years. I've been offered investment and I have turned it down even though I actually did need it at the time, but I didn't feel like they were maybe the right type of partner for my kind of business because they didn't understand exactly, they don't understand the industry, they don't understand how, you know, what my goals are for this business. So, and yes, it would have been easy and they were, it was easy investment that I could have taken and sizable, but you know, you just have to make a smart decision about it. So when I see also people kind of say, oh, I want to pitch for investment, I want to pitch for investment. I'm like, well, have you put anything in it yourself? Like, have you put your own money into it? Because that goes a long way to showing people that you're very dedicated to what you're doing. Like, have you, I'm not saying you need to remortgage your family home, mm-hmm. but like, take a look, like take a bet on yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you truly believe in it, you shouldn't really expect somebody else to 
funded until it's at a certain stage where you're like, okay, this is a viable business model and I'm ready to go to the next stage and now I need some help and that's okay. Like everybody is different, I think, on this, on this, but that's my opinion, my my personal opinion on it. And I'm like, you know, you should, if if you are that, if you really think it's going to work, and I think this is what differentiates people as well. If you believe in yourself enough, you will take that bet on yourself. Mm. Like I have gone through year long with no salary. I have gone through like everyone else getting paid, me not getting paid, like me putting in all of my savings to expanding into Dubai, like everything I have put on the table to build my business. And for me, I'm like, I'd like that money back sometime. It would be lovely. But it, I don't know. I mean, like you can have some pride in that as well, right? And then if an investor, the right investor does come along, they see that you have sacrificed, I guess, for this business so you that you believe in it. Because as much as people, investors are looking at business model and they are, and they're looking at returns and they are, they're also looking at the person who is running that business. And if you cannot, like if something happens to you, what happens to the business? That's another side of it then. If you are your business, what happens to the business then if you get sick mm. or you have to take a couple of months out or whatever the case is? I really wanted to touch back on that, that point that you mentioned earlier for those that are listening about margins. So I understand yeah. it might vary from business to business but you know someone's starting out or maybe they're already in business what kind of margins should they be looking at as a ballpark I don't is that something that you can no it kind of depends on the product and also funnily enough the region like here in the GCC they like let's say it's a fashion product or lifestyle product or something like that you you really should be let's say you make your product for 50 dirham or 50 euro or whatever it is. If you have a 200% margin on that, which is multiplied by two, that should be your wholesale margin. Otherwise, you are closing doors to potential B2B business in the future. So I'm just going to go the European kind of way first, and then I'm going to work back from what it would be here. Okay. So approximately double your cost would be your wholesale margin. But if you are a B2B business, you need to be selling serious bulk because that is your only margin. Because then let's say your wholesale price is 100 dirham or euro, and then you multiply that by 280% or 2.8 or 2.5, sometimes depending on the VAT aspects of it. So that 50 dirham or 50 euro product is now selling at 280 dirham or 280 euro. And that might seem like a lot to people who are like, oh my God, there's a serious margin in fashion or whatever. But the retailer gets the 280% margin if you're selling B2B. So if you're selling 10 pieces to a, a retailer, you can't even market your business for what you're making on that. Yeah. If you sell a thousand pieces to them, you might have some chance. So you need to kind of look at your business structure as well. And but from the very beginning, it's this is something I see literally every day. I'm like, price your product correctly from the start. Don't price it on the Sasswar prices. Price it on proper, 
proper cost prices if you were making 100, 500, 1,000, depending on what type of thing, you know, product it is. It could be a limited edition, could be leathers, it could be fashion product, it could be whatever. So you need to get like an estimate of correct prices from global factories because it's expensive to make here and you can't do that 200% and 280% without pricing yourself out of the market if you're getting three pieces made in Satwa. That's that it's like me going in getting a, a dress or a suit made. That's what they're charging you. So you're not getting the wholesale prices. So you have to get your cost price correctly first. And if you are, you know, in that listening and you are in that kind of capacity or you're making very, very small, you're making very, very small margins. So maybe you only have the 200 or the 250% margin. It's okay, but you can't sell to B2B. You can sell B2C, mm. but don't go B2B until you get your cost price down to where it needs to be for you to make a margin as a business. So that would be like maybe like a phase two of a business or year three or year five when you have enough bulk being made that you can bring your cost price down and you can get your correct margins. That's so Does that make sense? So interesting. Absolutely makes sense. And so valuable. Thank you so much for doing that. Not at all. Like I am, you know me, I'm as open as a book, but they like, I just feel like a lot of the time as well, like a lot of entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs, arts, culture, like even painters, anything like that. They're like, oh, the finance, I don't, whatever. I was like, I was that person. Like when I was 20, (laughs) I have, when I had the business in Kerry, I had a plastic bag that I used to just <laughs> throw the receipt into. And I would literally give, imagine, give the bookkeeper and accountant a plastic bag full of receipts. I was like, whatever. And so you can learn it, is my point. You can that. learn it. And like, I mean, I was as blase now as you can come, as, as you could get about it. And I mean, now I am like uh, so diligent with that part of it, because if you don't know the incomings and the outgoings of your business, forget about it. You, you know? even said that to me when we were out. Do you remember when you were like, we'd gone for a drink and I had paid for a drink. Yeah. You were like, well, this is a business meeting. Get your receipt. And yes. it and it was like, I'm going to the I was like, put that in for your vat. There's vat here now. <laughs> she was like, get your receipt. I was like, yeah, but she said it was a business meeting. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I, 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 I will admit, uh, I hope nobody from Revenue in Ireland is listening to this. I was like, I have put a couple of samples through from Zara. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, actually, um, as a stylist, I used to put my clothes through. I used to but put it's my part, like It's, it's part, part of your brand. Of your yeah. Yeah. So I would actually, so, and like, to be fair, we do have to buy samples sometimes like for clients for different things or to save them having to send it over from Ireland and UK or whatever. It's easier to just go and get if they want a particular size range or whatever. And they're like, oh, I saw this piece and I liked the sizing of it. It's nothing to do with the design, but can you just check it out or whatever? So it is, it's part of your business and you have to, you're a stylist. If you were doing an event, you have to look the part. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is how I qualify it anyway. I love it. <laughs> and I to be want- fair, I, I don't take advantage, but you know. Yeah, but there are hard. certain things. I just wanted to rewind for anyone that was living outside Dubai. How would yeah. you explain Satwa? Uh, okay. 
Ah, good. I actually love Satva. I I love it because I feel that Dubai is so overpriced for everything. And I'm a bit spindy as a person. And I kind of like, I when I go to Satva, then I'm like, oh my God, this is great. You know, you can get like so much value for stuff. Like if you're buying kids stuff or fabrics or, you know, whatever. Satwa is kind of, how would I describe it? Satwa like is a, kind of Aladdin like, of- yes, a little bit. It's kind of like a, an area of normally priced products plus tons of copied products, but at normal prices. Whereas the rest of Dubai, I feel Satwa is somewhere you go like to get your phone fixed so you're not being paid. You don't have to pay a thousand dirham to Apple. You're just like, no, I'll go down to Satwa. There's a lad there who does it for 150 That's dirham. Good. Mine needs fixed. I actually just yeah, asked my friend exactly. this morning, where should I go and get my iPhone fixed? <laughs> I'll, I'll text you later. But yeah, so like I, I, I love it because it's like, it's such a diverse kind of, I, <laughs> I met somebody from a salon, a girl from a salon there one day. And she was like, what are you doing in Satwa? I was like, had bags. I had, I, my tailor is down there as well, even though I have now bought, bought a sewing machine. So I will do some of it myself. But I used to go to Satwa to get, it's full of tailors. It's full of, you know, fabric, shop. fabric shops. It's full of like toy shops. It's full of like gold shops and stuff like that. Like, it's just, I like kind of real places. Like I love old Dubai. Like I know you have to be in the humor for it, but like I genuinely believe in another life. I was some kind of a sea merchant or a trade merchant because any country that has souks, like Morocco is my favorite country in the world. And so many people I know absolutely are like, no, it's too busy, too grabby, yeah. too whatever. I am in okay. my element. I'm like, bring it on. Love I, it. Like I have fun. I have fun at those places like bargaining and whatever. Now, granted, I wouldn't go there after a late night out because you do need to be in the humor. But yeah, that kind of vibe. But I, yeah. I love that. I'm down with my paintings. You know, I love art. And I'm down getting everything framed there. Yeah, they've got framers and, and stuff. Yeah, plant shop. Yeah, there's yeah. everything. Yeah, like, I just love an area like that where you're like, where can I buy a inflatable pool for my niece? You know, and and at the same time get my things framed, and at the same time get my ring fixed and my phone <laughs> fixed, and I'm like. I will go to Satwa on Saturday. <laughs> Get your shoes cobbled, you know, go to yeah. the cobbler and yeah, Everything. all of that. Like, I love it. Yeah, I like it. I like places that are real and human. So what's next for you and the business? And well, I say you and your personal brand, because I know that yeah. you stepped that up and, and that's an area that we're working on. And then maybe where you're going with yeah. this. Yeah. So I think it was like a correlation really of, us rebranding Morris Fashion Consultancy to Morris Global Consulting because we've scaled up the services, we've scaled up the partnerships, we've scaled up the team. And I feel like we've been around for long enough now that, you know, not that it can kind of stand on its own, but it's not as reliant on me or my face, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. where it was very much Mo's company, be you know, at the start. And I just felt there was stuff 
like I have other businesses, I have other interests, I have other people I like to support. I, you know, I'm a big supporter of independent businesses of all types. And I like to be able to talk to that, but about that maybe on social media or whatever, but it's not relevant for Marvis Global Consulting because we are retail, fashion, culture, and the arts. You know, that's what we do and education. So in those sectors. So I was kind of finding myself and I was chatting with you and I was like, I really feel like I want to do, I, I did some writing with Marie Claire Arabia about two years ago and I just really enjoyed it. And I, I have, I've always done moderating and some speaking stuff as a part of MFC, which it was at the time. But I was like, I'd love to separate that out a little bit so that because like I was talking about back with the investor type of thing, what happens if something happened to me? What happens to Morris Global Consulting? Who can run that business? You know, and I was like, it can't always be reliant on me if this business model is going to work. Yeah. Or what if I wanted to sell the business in 10 years time and I wasn't part of that package? Like, so I wanted to kind of separate things out a little bit. So then, thankfully, you came along and gave me a kick in the ass to get my <laughs> personal branding in line. And I'm very like, I won't start something unless I'm like, I'm doing this properly and I'm getting it done in the timeline and whatever. Because And I, I won't start something if I don't have the time to do it. And like I was even saying to you, I was like, I gave you a date for the website of the 17th and I got sick then for a week. And I was like, God damn it, I'm back a week or whatever. But you were just laughing, obviously. But I was like, you know, I'm kind of like that when I'm in. It's okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, I can give myself a bit of a break, to be fair. My face was blown up. So, yeah. So, like, I wanted to kind of separate it, I suppose, Kelly. And I want to do more writing, more moderating, more panel discussions, more contributing kind of to different aspects of business. Um, that sometimes are fashion, retail, culture, and the arts. Like often, of course, they are. That's my area of expertise. But I also have a beauty salon. I also have a share in a food company in Ireland. I also have loads of other things kind of going on that I just want to be able to kind of talk about and, you know, talk about more my interests and art and different things. Like it could be something frivolous or it could be something serious about business whatever it is but I, I love that and I love partic- in particular moderating panel discussions I really think you can re- if if you're a good moderator you can just pull so much knowledge from people that is just so beneficial I think I think I'm kind of a, an educator somewhere inside as well I love for people And that's why I think I'm open myself about ups and downs of business and this and that. Like, I don't care if somebody knows something that didn't go great in my business or whatever, because I feel, I genuinely feel other people can learn from that and not make those mistakes. Mm. Like when you start your first business at 20, you make all the mistakes in the book. So true. You know, so like, you know, and 20 years later, I'm still making mistakes. But I think if you just own them, speak about them, like I'm not really into this. And actually, I find Dubai really 
good and bad for this. I think there are certain entrepreneurs here that are really open about the realities of entrepreneurship, um, be it in whatever business. And there are another set that are like, everything's amazing. I'm like, everything is cannot be amazing. Like we're in a, like whatever, it could be during COVID or whatever. Like how can your business be amazing at the moment when every other business in the world yeah. has almost collapsing? Like it's just not possible. And there is a balancing act because you do have to kind of keep your clients and your audience motivated a bit as well. But I think if you're disingenuous about that, I like for me, I just, it just doesn't feel right. I'm like, you know, it's, I don't mean you have to tell people like I'm sitting on the bed, bawling, crying, or I'm, you know, depressed or whatever, but I did another podcast. They reversed the roles on my own podcast and Muriel from my team did a podcast on me and they were talking about quite heavily about COVID and whatever. And I was having like, I I started getting these panic attacks for the first time ever. And I got so many, and we had a conversation about it and I got so many messages afterwards going, Oh my God, I would have never thought that from your Instagram or your this or your that. I'm like, what are you, you know, like there's, there's a balance, I think. Yeah. So true. Thank you so yeah. much. You've been so honest in this podcast. Like, because when we chatted before, you were like, what kind of questions? I'm like, let's just go with it and see where the, the yeah. conversation goes. And I could, I could literally go on for seven days, probably. You'll have to cut me, Kelly. <laughs> and, and you can see when you mentioned there, the educator part. Like the yeah. lessons that you're sharing, you genuinely want other people to, to learn from you. Um, yeah. So if someone's listening and they want to learn more from you, you mentioned your own website earlier, social media, LinkedIn, yeah. like where are you active? How can people find you? Go ahead and show. So, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn under my own name or morrisglobalconsulting.com. Huh. So any of those, morrismorris.com, morrisglobalconsulting. And the same on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn is my own name. So you can find me there and I'm happy to help and anything that I can do. Oh, thank you so much. I've loved having this platform where it's been the opportunity to interview you know, clients or clients that become friends and just learn yeah. a little bit more about what Absolutely. they do and why they're passionate. So Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. My pleasure entirely. I hope people did learn something from my ramblings. (laughs) (laughs) It's not your ramblings. What is it? Moe's musings. Moe's musings. (laughs) Yeah, that's what some of our our personal branding website, Moe's musings. That's all for now. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website 
brand new creators designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.